You designed where, the look for the Cylons after season one. Yeah. Did they change after season one? Why do you they, talk about this every day? That's cool as hell. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to A Filthy Talk, <clears throat> A Filthy Lot's weekly live panel discussion show coming to you live from North Vancouver. We are on the traditional territories of the Squamish Nation. We'd like to recognize the privilege to work, play, and create on these beautiful lands. And we encourage you at home in the chat on Twitch or on YouTube in the comments to tell us what traditional territories you are watching from. Uh, I'm Trevor Gemma. This is Roz Young. And returning as fact checker, I feel like it's been a while, is Ryan White. So say hi to Ryan in the chat, yeah. and uh, uh, yeah, welcome back, man. Good to see you. Yeah, it's been a minute. Happy yeah. to be back. It, it has. Sorry about that. I was uh, more recently a guest. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I was 51, I think. Oh, I don't know. They all blur together. There have been so many oh, no, filthy 50. talks. It was episode 50. 50. Yeah, 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 the, yeah. All the fact checkers were up here. It was great. Number. Uh, yeah, okay, so uh, uh, something we've been doing a lot lately here is nerd news. So nerd off news. the top, do you have anything for nerd news, Roz? I have botanical nerd news. That's pretty nerdy. Right? Yeah. Uh, if you're, uh, it's also kind of local, so I'm sorry to <coughs> our live show on across all internet. And um, in Vancouver, anyway, if you live here, the, the corpse flower is blooming. Oh. oh. The, so, do we only have one in all of the lower mainland? Yeah. We have one corpse flower. Yeah, so it is rare. the corpse flower. They're pretty rare. This one's name is Uncle Fester. <laughs> uh, it's at the Bloodell Conservatory. Uh, he's nine years old. He's currently blooming. Uh, I just wanted to point out, uh, its name is Amorphophallus titanium. So real penisy, this flower. Um, real penisy. And it produces the stinkiest of compounds. Have you been close to one when it's opening? I have not been near I've, I never no. have. Yeah. Uh, so I Silas know. went. Silas, what did it smell like? Smell bad. Smell, smell bad. bad. Thank smell you, thank bad. you. <laughs> smell bad. <laughs> Corpse flower, smell bad. Smell bad. Um, it's, the science is awesome. Awesome, you guys. What, uh, what is it releasing? Uh, it's got dimethyl trisulfide. Oh, that old stick. Ooh, right? Oh, that's Don't the like, stinky cheese, stinky cheese smell. Di dimethyl disulfide, which is garlicky stinky. Super stinky. Uh, I also wrote down trimethylamine, but that's the fishy smells, like rotten fish. Put those together. And isovaleric acid is also produced uh, by these plants when they're in bloom, which is sweaty feet socks. Oh smell. my god. So you, you just wrap up a bunch of garlic and rotting fish and, and cheese. cheese and and like Lindberger cheese, like the stinkiest of, of cheeses. That'd be and somebody's kink. Put it all in there and you get the corpse flower smell. <clears throat> But you know what's weird? It doesn't produce <clears throat> cadaverine, which is the chemical the cadavers that make that. Well, you, you know that's putrefaction. Putrefaction. Can't say words. But that's animal okay. tissue breakdown. When I mean, you know when meat breaks down, yeah, yeah. that smell. Um, yeah. Huh. Science. Interesting. Cool. You made that real nerdy. That's impressive. You made that botanically nerdy and then just straight up science nerdy. I'm impressed. Um, that was that was my nerd news. I what are you going on? Uh, and before I forget, I also want to say a big shout out to uh, Big Pete's Collectibles in North Vancouver. <laughs> Thanks, Big Pete, for hooking us up with uh, some of the stuff that you can win. Uh, Segway <laughs> with Channel Point Redemptions on Twitch. Uh, what's in the box is active, so you'll get asked trivia if someone triggers it. First person to answer correctly in the chat gets what's under one of these five mystery boxes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, also today, you can. Two different redemptions. You can either add to the crunch or reduce the crunch. And you can either make this broadcast five minutes longer or five minutes shorter. So that'll be fun. Oh, longer. <laughs> yeah. Longer? Yeah, yeah. It's an hour for now. Um, nerd news. What did I have for nerd news? Right. I, I, uh, so this is interesting. Are you familiar with or know of OnlyFans? I have heard of it. Hello, Internet. Do you know about OnlyFans? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Do you fans, want to admit to it to the rest of the internet? As of today, OnlyFans has banned uh, uh, sexually explicit materials, which, as far as I'm aware, is basically, basically their business. Yeah. That's like liquor stores being like, we're not selling any more liquor. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't understand. Well, it's the bar, too, right? They're like, you know what we're out of? Shots. Shots. <laughs> we, ain't, we ain't got none. Uh, yeah, so that's an interesting thing. I don't need to say much more about it other than it feels like one more way to make the world a, a less safe place for sex workers and uh, not cool. <laughs> the other thing is the, the Eternals trailer. Have you, seen, have you seen it? 
You just showed me the Eternals trailer. I realize you wanted to do a bit this here is, and be like, this pretend. Is a... But like, <laughs> we could have been live at the time I was literally sitting None of this is real. This is a show. Okay. Uh, yes, I did. Oh, and, good. Uh, <laughs> That's handy because we're going to talk about it a little bit. It uh, was good. It was really good. And a lot yeah. of people who crowded around while we had it on, uh, it was enough to pull in a bunch of people here. Are you familiar with the Eternals? Only from seeing teaser trailer stuff. Oh, So okay. I haven't read anything. I recommend yeah. if, if people are at home, so this is a new Marvel movie coming out in November, and if you're like, who the fuck are the Eternals? Uh, read the Neil Gaiman run of the Eternals from Marvel. What it's, can't that man write? It's my favorite graphic novel of all time. It's amazing. The art alone, I've like I've just like flipped through the pages so many times. And the story's the is so super pretty, cool. But it's a very cool story too. Yeah. So it's a bunch of new heroes, a whole team, a whole team of new superheroes in the Marvel universe, uh, and it ties to the Celestials, which yeah. gets real. I'm so glad they're not afraid to go off world and go big, crazy, weird with. Uh, concepts within Marvel now. Guardians so, of the Galaxy opened up so many possibilities. And Doctor Strange. Yeah. Like, it's all crazy. They're going, multi-dimension, let's go time travel, let's do whatever. But I bet the first time they were just like, hey, producers, we want to make a movie where we're out in space. And they were just like, uh, Well, there was, I, was I don't want to go off on a tangent, but I will. Uh, but <laughs> John Favreau, when he was just doing, like, the first Iron Mans, the, in the third one, they weren't going to pull the trigger on, uh, 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 what's his name? The Mandarin because he was magic. And he's like, eh, I don't think that the audience is gonna buy, it's all been technology, technology, I don't think they're gonna buy magic. And that was the mentality at the time when Iron Man 3 came out. That's why they made him not really the Mandarin and they made it a technological thing. Lame, uh, Yeah, Cowards. super lame, because then they went off the freaking deep end. Ryan, what's up? I was gonna say also, um, Apple, speaking of science fiction, uh, Apple dropped another trailer for their uh, Isaac Asimov's Foundation series, which I am personally very excited for. Oh. It's sort of like uh, Game of Thrones, but in space. It's like this far future where there's like this galaxy-spanning human empire, and this guy has this like, I don't, I read the books when I was younger, but I don't remember like what his mechanism is, but he can like predict the future, and he predicts like the collapse of this empire, and the people who are in charge try to like silence him. Huh. Really cool. It's called what? Foundation. Foundation. It's on Apple TV. Interesting. Out in September. Cool. Based I have not heard of that. Asimov's yet. famous Foundation trilogy. Sweet. Yeah. Nice. Man-made trilogies. Uh, did you have anything else for nerd news? Yeah. What's I want to talk about Fortnite. Uh. You son of a summons. Um, you made you made Among Us in your game, you dang guys, um, and you didn't even invite them to participate or collab. Oh. So they have, Fortnite has imposters, literally called imposters. Wow. A gameplay where you crowd around and you basically play Among Us, but it's Fortnite in their game. And Brutal. yeah. Can they not like sue them? Why? It's going to cost them so much. Oh, yeah. To sue. They're already, like, and Fortnite's already involved in a million lawsuits because they were POSs to begin with. Hmm. Well, I think our guests might have a piece. I was going to say, speaking of uh, uh, horrible shit that the gaming industry has done, uh, we're going to talk That's a bit me. about that. <laughs> uh, to, to join us and uh, explore this topic in various ways, uh, we have Jason Rouleau and Trevor Adams. And Trevor Adams, first time on the show. So, Thank well, you. Wow. Yeah, I'm, be I'm here. sorry it took so long. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> I was crying quietly in my cubicle. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we're going to talk a bit about, uh, it's, not, it's not unique to the gaming industry, but they are notorious for it. Uh, it's also something we've experienced in film and, yeah, but crunch time and like just overworking your employees in general. Um, but yeah, why did you say it's me? Because it's me to talk gaming about? gaming has produced this disaster. Oh. <laughs> um, regarding the Among Us thing, though, they purposefully like didn't, uh, they didn't try and like gatekeep the 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 game itself and like the mechanics of it because they didn't want to be the kind <clears> of <throat> studio that would do that. Which studio oh. is this? Uh, oh. Something sloth. Uh, yeah. 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 What's the uh, Among Us? Uh, so this is like game studio called. So they're a small, like smaller indie group making you know a bunch of really committed, talented, passionate people. The people love among the game. Us. Inner, sloth. Inner, sloth. Inner, sloth. Inner sloth. Inner sloth. So Among That's Us good. is like a kind of an indie game, and then now it's like the big guys rolled over and took it. Is that they the just idea? like took it. The map is the same. 
Oh, map. Really? Oh, so you even do you do the exact same things in the game. What? And then you challenge. Then you like call a meeting, and you all end up in the meeting, and you oh, like man. and then you like, vote someone out. The map. So we're like where the med bay is. They moved it to the other side of the hallway. It's like they're not wow. even trying. I know. It was like this <laughs> was some like I started this last night homework. Like oh, what? Oh. This is all new to me like yeah. five seconds ago. So, so I'm like, you should play amongst. Among Us with us because it's super yeah. fun. We it's, play yeah. online together. Yeah. yeah. The, the devs and actually said like, so cute. look at That's the maps. Amazing. Yeah. Damn. Wow. But they were also tweeting just adorably and sad saying, you know, they didn't even ask us to collab. It would have been nice, you know, just a really hard day for us here because Yeah, with like the most successful do. game, like a huge juggernaut of a game making tons of money. Doesn't need to steal from the little guy. Yeah. Or just, yeah, just involve cool. them. Yeah, yeah. Like, they would have been so stoked. You could have had like Among Us crossover skins. Yeah, you know, yeah. people in Fortnite pay all sorts of stuff for stupid skins. Well, and that's, Why dance, wouldn't they that's want just their the Among thing Us is, thing? Yeah, is Fortnite yeah. like light? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how the whole thing started. Oh, Thank you, yeah. Alex. Good point. I mean, isn't that that's their whole <laughs> game mechanic, isn't it? Yeah, because it, it was originally not built as a battle royale, and then uh, they I think they might have removed the videos, but it was the devs being like, "We love PUBG." And then, like, two weeks later, they're like, we're doing Battle Royale. Oh, man. Like, that's cold. That's basically the way the game has worked. Is like, we like this game. I made this. <laughs> <laughs> I made this. Oh, that's dark. But they definitely made it consumable for a huge audience. And I don't know that many people will care. See, there's another, the Microsoft game. Of there's another game that ripped off Among Us recently that I've played that is a lot of fun, but it's free, and it is an indie thing, and it's called Goose Goose Duck. But basically, oh, yeah. they've taken, because Among Us, the community has taken a bunch of, like, mods and made so that you have, like, proximity chat or uh, different things that, like, are more common in, uh, what's the werewolf game called? Uh, Secret Werewolf? No, not. Werewolf. Uh, just called Werewolf. Yep. Right. Um, so, like, there's a sheriff. Which was, like, mafia first for people who. Oh, right. okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but like special, I mean, so there's special roles and stuff in Goose Goose Duck that like people did make mods for Among Us, but now Goose Goose Duck has it permanently programmed into the game. Mm. And it's fun. It's blatantly a ripoff, but it's free. So they didn't really screw over Among Us on, the, on the, uh, any kind of scale that Fortnite had. It's a quality of life improvement. Like it could have been a mod, but they built it. Like, and they, 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 they included the quality of life updates that people have been wanting for Among Us anyway. But they at least, Goose Goose Duck has their own maps. You're playing as geese that can fart. Uh, you have to buy the farts. Uh, <laughs> you have to buy the what, sorry? The farts. The farts? It's so stupid. Naturally. But, uh, but there are its own maps, its own mini games, and that kind of thing. Like, so it, 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 it copied it. You're contributing to a, a community. Yeah. Well, and I don't think that the Among Us team is claiming they invented, you know, sus, or that they invented yeah the idea of this accusation system that is based on games. That's like why they didn't even patent it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I see, I see. Like Which is also probably why they can't mm -hmm. sue Fortnite. Well, so yeah, that was part of it because I think previously a company had uh, patented mini games in loading screens. Interesting. Uh, and then was going after anyone who had put a mini game in a loading screen. So they were like, we basically just don't want to be like that. Huh. Hmm. Okay, so. Thanks, yeah. Epic. So we want to talk about mostly crunch. We got the Fortnite thing, really. Sorry. No, it's not. Don't be, sorry. Why? <laughs> Turns out being mad at Fortnite can yeah. fill a lot of time. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, well, I said, when you asked me, how long is your nerd news? And I was like, oh, a couple minutes. Take <laughs> okay, 15 minutes of anger. <laughs> We're crunching on Fortnite. Okay, sorry. Now okay. I made it even longer. So, like, uh, uh, Crunch in video games, like I mean, some of the most famous ones we know. Uh, I mean, I, I know I was upset by CD Projekt Red uh, imposing a crunch on their people to get Cyberpunk out in time, and then just releasing a broken game anyway, um, which makes that all for naught. And I assume that the workers are probably just like, why do why do we do this? Like why? Well, especially when they spent months just how can I say this nicely. Uh, congratulating themselves repeatedly for not crunching. Oh, I know what you were oh. going to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> what? What? Nothing. So, uh, TA, you're on the show because you are not unfamiliar with Deadline Crunch. Oh, yeah, I've had my experience with it. Yeah, yeah. You want to 
Yeah. So your first time, you got to tell us a bit on, you know, who are you? What do you do? Where'd you come from, bro? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess uh, <laughs> I'm like the, I, mean, I guess now I'm like the AFL uh, VFX guy. Yeah. So my job has been dealing with anything beyond the camera. So, you know, you know, filling blue screens, creating CG characters and all that stuff that falls in line with that. Um, you know, and you know, I've been in this now for 20 years and I've definitely seen my share of crunches. So what was on. like, give us an example of like what the job you were doing at the time was and, and <clears throat> how, what was the worst crunch you came up against? I think the, honestly, the, the record for me would be Battlestar Galactica. It was um, oh. season, oh God, I can't remember, it so, it's been so long. It's okay, it's good. I mean, fact check it if you want, but it's like, basically, if, I don't know if anyone was watching the show, there was, there was an episode where basically an army of Cylons come marching into town. Like, they basically, there's been a, the human race has had a refuge on a planet. Season four. I think it was season four. Yeah. Like, you're right. It was a season finale. <laughs> and so, okay, so a little back, background. I, I was a Cylon guy. So I designed the look for the Cylons after season one. And there was an issue. You designed where, the look for the Cylons after season one? Yeah. Did they change after season one? Why do you they, talk about this every day? That's cool as hell. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in my little corner. But it's like, so, okay, here, okay, a little more back history. So. Season one, um, a studio called Zoic did a fantastic job designing these Cylons and everything. Yeah, they were dope. They were great. And, uh, but they, they used a different type of software called Lightwave. And oh. any VFX people watching, if any, are going to go, ugh. Um, <laughs> and the problem with, with Lightwave at the time was it was a very, a very old school rendering technology. And I was all like, mental ray, ray tracing, uh, HDRI lighting. And so I, I took some free time and I rebuilt the Cylon with an, Updated software, oh, and and rendering algorithms. So I was a fruit fly, oh. uh, and um, <laughs> they liked it. Uh, nice. David Ike, the executive producer, and and Ron Moore, who was the the writer, uh, was very excited about it. And so they said, "You're the guy now." And nice. I was working at Atmosphere Studios in Vancouver at the time. So they're like, "You're the Cylon guy." Um, and so I said, "Okay, cool." Pretty cool. Uh, I'll, I'll do Cylons. So I did Cylons all through cool. season three. And like it's season the two. only thing you need to put on your resume now. Yeah, like I'm the Cylon guy. Cylon guy. Just, <laughs> just say that instead of your name. It helps. <laughs> it does help. Yeah, it I bet. Um, but so okay, fast forward to the season finale, and the problem with the Cylons was as beautiful as they were, in my humble opinion, they were also very expensive to render, and so like okay. rendering one would take like an hour and a half, two hours per frame. And they're like, okay, wow. they were like, here's wow. a script drop for the season finale. Surprise, you have an army of Cylons. So you have like, I forget the number, but it was a lot. It was like an army. It was like a, you know, um, like the marching. More than two. More, more than <laughs> 20. And it was like, we need this delivered in two weeks. And I ran the rendered projections and I was looking at, based on my current projections, like, it was going to be more like a month of render time just to get the Cylons drawn and then delivered to comp and then they can put it into the shop. Wow, that's crazy. Obviously, I didn't worry. I went to Andrew Carr, who's uh, head of a uh, Atmosphere, fantastic guy. And he's like, holy shit, we're, we're kind of in trouble. And I said, <laughs> I'll be back. And, and I went and figured this out. So I basically started like tearing stuff out of the render shader and I'm like, okay, they're, they're new Cylons, they're marching into town. And I start talking to like the story writers and they're like, okay, well this is supposed to be like, like this is like their finest Cylons walking in. So can I make oh. them shinier? And by shinier, I mean I take away a lot of the patina and like dirt, oh. which streamlined the rendering time to the point where it's like borderline, oh, what was that like? Old, fresh off the assembly line Cylons? Yeah, like almost like, I'm just <laughs> pulling back to like 19, mid 90s chrome Cylons. Oh, freshly polished and Cylons. If you, yeah, yeah, T2 Cylons. So if you go back and watch that episode, you'll see that they're really shiny. Just brand new toasters? Yeah. <laughs> and it happened to work for that moment in the story because they are like, this is like their finest Cylons. They're taking over. We've won. We're at Caprica. We've, we're taking over this human race and all that stuff. And I managed to get the hour times down to about five to eight minutes per Cylon. Oh, wow. And so, but to, From okay, two hours? From two hours. Whoa. And it was a lot of, uh, it was a lot of um, you know, basically just cutting all the, trimming all the fat to get something that works. That's a lot of fat. And it was a lot of fat. Yeah. And so I guess the whole point of this story is that to do that, to achieve that in a short amount of time, we, 
we were up at one point for 28 hours straight. Uh, uh, my friend Louie and I, who was like uh, the co-animator, and we were like just trying, like, we gotta get this done. And we were literally standing outside the 7-Eleven because we were out of coffee, we drank it all, <laughs> waiting for them to open so that we can like, and we're standing there with like a, a coffee mug and like a cigarette, and just like, and this is like hour 20. And we're like, just to get this thing out, because the problem is when we delivered these Cylons, two days later, it goes, Prime time. So two days wow. between one of the most um, followed shows at the time to the to the finale of the ep of the season, we had to deliver these Cylons. Damn. So the pressure was quite high because you literally have it was like it was like um, it was like Game of Thrones level viewership. Oh. And imagine like yeah. your 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 sense. job was to render the dragon in the final episode, and you have two days to deliver it. It was that kind of pressure. It feels, so feels it like was, such a bad idea. I mean, it, it's different when you're already on. So when, how, what was the time between you finding out that you needed to, like, you got the script and found out that it needed to be that much bigger? Well, the, the scripts usually came in about two weeks in advance. Typically, like, the pattern for, like, an episodic is you get the script or you get, like, what you need to do, and you got two weeks to turn it around. And I think there was a miscommunication, or maybe it's just it didn't realize how long it took us to render Cylons. So... It was kind of like, okay, I never explained to production that it takes, you know, two hours to render a Cylon. And they've already written into the show. And they've already, like, the episode before that kind of leads up to that moment. So there's no yeah. way they can write around it. Uh. So it was, it was one of those situations where it kind of painted into a corner. Yeah, not planning ahead very well. Yeah, I think it was maybe that. And just uh, not knowing all the, all the information to make that call. So did this affect your opinion of... The show, like, did you like having to having to work that hard and experience like a really hard crunch? Yeah. Does it alter, like, the pride you have in your work or increase it? Does, uh, it, does it diminish it or increase it? It, you know, for me, like, I I got onto Battlestar originally because I watched season one and I loved the show, mm -hmm. and then I found out that uh, Atmosphere, it was a local studio, was doing it, and I, I reached out to Andrew. And I said, hey, man, I really like your work. I just came off Andromeda at the time, and it's more of that same sort of show. And I'd love to help you out. <laughs> I don't know what That's I'm cool. Doing. That's cool. You all right, Jason? I'm not saying Andromeda is a great show, but, you know. No, I'm saying that's cool as hell. Oh, okay. are you Are you just, like, just like, like fanboying? No, just, just like, oh, you know, I just, like, got off Andromeda. <laughs> <laughs> then went on to Battlestar. Sorrow's a great guy. And you're gonna go IMDb <laughs> Trevor after this. Yeah, probably. Like, Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. He's gonna be your favorite coworker now. Uh, he already so well, is. Man. Yeah, so well. <laughs> he's the first aid attendant, and he's like super nice all the time. I can fix a bullet wound and I can render a Cylon like nothing. He can make a he can make a new bullet wound digitally. <laughs> I can make a Cylon shoot you and I can fix you. Nice. I don't how uh, I don't understand. Uh, yeah, he's my favorite. Yeah. Speaking of wonder, how much would we have to alter a Cylon to use one in something here? Right. <laughs> oh, I'd be, we can do. I, I think I still have. I don't know if I should say this on camera. <laughs> I may or may not have some assets. <laughs> Look, we all we all lift and shift a little bit when we leave places. You know. Yeah. Take a little but, bit of something. Uh, to, to go back to your earlier question, like I, I had I, it didn't make me feel discontent to the show at all. In no. fact, it made me want to like try harder. I mean, really. Like, I, I love the show. I came on because I love the show. And, you know, uh, David Icke, Ron Moore, they're fantastic guys. Uh, Drew, the guy uh, uh, who runs Atmosphere, he's great. I just wanted to, like, pick, uh, do what I had to do to, like, make everyone happy. And also for the show to do well. Because I was invested in it as a fan. Yeah. Like, when those... And this is back before, you know, things were really locked down. Like, we get scripts from Battlestar. And, like, as soon as they dropped it off, I, like, snatched it around to my desk. And I was reading it because I loved the show. And, and so to, to have an opportunity to, like, be that guy, the fix-it guy, to me, I, I was... Um, Hero! I felt, I felt honored to have the opportunity. At the same time, at the end of the 28 or 26 hours of grinding, I was tired. Yeah. You know? So I was like, let's not do that again, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know... And it worked out. I mean, I like, everyone well, loved it. It was okay. Because I think that love and that passion and why so many artists, visual artists in Vancouver, get into... You know, they want to work on their favorite Marvel hero. They want to work on their, you know, or anybody who gets into that, their favorite game, and they get to be an artist on those shows. Do the industry does abuse those people? 
Oh God, yeah. That's, right? that's invisible pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? You love it so much it. that you're willing to, especially when you're you're new and you're hungry and oh, you're yeah. younger and you can afford it because you don't have a family or maybe you don't have like those sorts of obligations. We can't do those Boundaries. things all the time. <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't I don't know. Because, like, for you, it was worth it in that moment. But, like, if that is your career over a really long period of time, that is a hard grind to expect of people. Yes. If that was, like, the norm, 100%. And, like, I was, like, mid-20s, no family, single guy. So, yeah. you know, at that time, I was like, yeah. That's just okay. fun. I can do this. Yeah. It's just yeah. this week. But, you know, and I've seen the negative side of that where people do kind of, uh, you know, I've seen in other studios and other projects where it's literally ground people into the dirt. Ah. At least in the visual effects world. In a very negative light. Like they're there because they, it's a job, you know. And but they have kids and they have wives and they have lives. Yeah. Or husbands. And it, it's taken incredible tolls on on people. And it's like there needs to be more of a balance between life and work. And it's interesting with COVID and how it's changed that. Yes. You know. It's and it's really brought some stuff to the forefront. Okay, we're going to talk about COVID stuff. Priorities. Ryan had something coming up from chat. I was Ryan say point. Some that twinged in my mind after what Trevor Adams was saying there that yeah. um, as someone who kind of came from more like the corporate world and less so the film industry, one thing that always really struck me, uh, my first job out of university was at TELUS um, and they paid a lot of lip service and I emphasize lip service to this notion of like work-life balance and my girlfriend works in tech and has worked in startups and I've seen this same oh, pattern so they over. said it a lot? Well, what they say is that work-life balance matters. We want you to, you know, be able to do the things in your life that matter, spend time with your family, pursue your hobbies and your passions, but they consistently never have coverage of people's roles. Oh, yeah. And, and we suffer from this here to an extent, too, and this is honestly a challenge to us in our business at A Filthy Lot, but it's, okay, we want you to have balance, um, but... We're going to make it so there's no one else Never. who can do your job if you're away pursuing that balance. And we're going to make your deadlines and deliverables such that you don't have time to pursue that balance as well. Yeah. You know, and so like it, it, it's always, it's, it's something that's really rung hollow to me and, and sort of been a lot of like astroturfy corpo speak and what I've experienced and what my partners yeah, it's experienced. In, it's intentional. Oh yeah. Um, it's an yeah. intentional business. Uh, strategy for large corporations where they'll say how many hours do you need for a week and they'll pull back like 7% um, so when you have restaurant workers where like someone's sick and then they get guilted into taking another shift uh. it's a very intentional from especially from large corporations for like an independent company it's a little bit harder um, where you're just wearing different hats um, but it's it's extremely intentional from I would Assume a Talus, but especially oh, yeah. like a Starbucks. Yeah, where a company they, that's making ten billion dollars yeah. a year in profit. But they know, know how many hours they need for it to be to work. Yeah, and then they pull it back. Yeah, and they hire just enough people. They hire less do, than enough people. Exactly, yeah. just less than enough people to do all the work that they say needs to get done. And so it's like, yeah, cool, go have your balance, spend time with your family, but we actually need you to work 50 hours a week. Yeah, because someone's going to be always, sick. And there's no one to cover you, and there's no one to do your work if you're away, and so you won't take vacation, because if you come back from vacation, that just means that you're going to have twice as much work for the next month. And it's completely intentional. Yeah, oh yeah. It, it is like we, we only have enough people to barely cover less than what we need. Yeah. And then, you know, you get, I think anyone who's worked in restaurants gets the like, I can't make my shift. Can somebody cover, please? And then people on their day off get guilted into coming in yeah. because they've understaffed intentionally. Retail. Yeah. So where have you experienced crunch? Uh, I have experienced less crunch probably, um, but like festivals. Ah, but that's, festivals? That, that's just kind of like the nature of... That's the nature of festivals is like... Jason's done a ton of big festival stuff. No, I'm fanboying. Yeah. Yeah. Like what? Not Battlestar. <laughs> Not the Battlestar Festival. Battlestar, <laughs> Battlestar Base Coast? What? what? Yeah, Ooh. yeah. Space Toast. That'd be um, good. Space Toast. That's a good But like, especially, especially with events, it's kind of the nature of it where it's... Like I used to do Craft Beer Week, but like we can, mm. you can only have... The, the venue for so long, so it's like hit the ground running. Oh, yeah. Go, 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 go. Do the festival. Oh, okay, we need to leave because if we don't leave by midnight, we're paying rent on another day. Um, I've been very fortunate to work for festivals that are like, oh, yeah, if you do overtime, do overtime. 
you know, uh, also, if it doesn't get done, it doesn't get done. Um, so now, but you, you're a pretty hardcore gamer, yes? And as a gamer, very aware of all of like the gaming industries. As that, a gamer that, and a communist. And a communist? <laughs> are, you, are you a communist? Yes. Like you vote communist? Yes. Oh, it's amazing. So, so like, when I see like crunch capitalist. You can say bullshit. At, okay, bullshit, thank yeah, you. There you go. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, fuck so, it, you can swear. So, <laughs> here, here are some games that were brought to you by crunch. Ah. Cyberpunk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Red, Dead, Red Dead Redemption, good game. I do enjoy it. Uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah. For anyone who played that, brought to you by making people work too long. Is that the first one? No, it was the that's fourth. The, that's the fourth, fourth one. one. Yeah, it yeah. was the one that like Mass Effect fans. It was. The, it's actually the only one I've played, yeah. and I enjoyed it. But yeah. uh, the it, mechanics are great. Yeah, but I like the first two, and yeah. but the people who loved the first three. We're super disappointed by Andromeda. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They they were like, "How is the, this a sequel? It's just terrible." The mechanics. The first one. Apparently, the the legendary edition is quite good because they updated like the mechanics of Andromeda and the gameplay of Andromeda was really good. Yeah, it was. Matt's playing it right now. He's played all the way from one, two, three for legendary, and he's in four now. That's huge because like I went to, to try and like try and play Mass Effect one. It was like I remember this being way better. Yeah. Uh, but also Anthem, Crunch brought you Anthem. A game that was abandoned by one of the largest studios on the planet after like a month. So that's one instance where I blame the fans because I really loved that game. Like I, I know what they promised and I know what we got. Yeah, but it's like worst destiny. It was so much fun. It was basically you get to play as one of four different types of Iron Man suits. Like it wasn't like Destiny because yeah. in Destiny you can't jump up and just fucking jetpack around. Yeah. Like there was mechanics in that that are equivalent to no game that exists. And it was really fun. And the fans just shit on it because it wasn't what they imagined it. But I also think yeah. abandoned is a really good word because it could have gone yeah, to the place it. that it was supposed to. They could have fixed it. You know? They, like, no Man's the Sky. Last time I logged I was just going to say No Man's Sky. What a revolution. Oh, did it get better over time? It's so amazing. Much. Apparently, apparently, it's like one of the best games out there now. But when yeah. it came out, like, it's, it's interesting because if you look at like if you look at promised. the reviews on Steam by yeah. like year, <laughs> one, one, the first one, year one, it came out, it was like four. ones. The second year it was like out of five twos. The third year it was like threes, and now it's like universally positive. Oh, interesting. People love what the, the game the has only, become. I would say like that and Diablo three are one of the only games that have. Uh, regardless of whatever else Blizzard's up to. Uh, when some of the <laughs> only games that they've successfully turned an, an absolute trash fire yeah. into like a, a well-liked game. Because that's the hardest part. You can make it a good game, but like if you've blown it, no one's going to like it. So uh, the question I was going to ask was, as a gamer, when you hear about the companies subjecting themselves or subjecting their workers to that kind of a work environment, do you still play the game? Do you still buy the game that you're anticipating and support them like crunching to a deadline because you just you want your new toy? Like you it's like candy, give me my candy. I don't care how they're treated. Or because uh, I mean I do. And, and I'm asking this game, I'm asking this question, but I'm totally playing devil's advocate. <laughs> the, the the big thing I think is it's tough because also like if everyone refuses to buy it, these people are also out of a job. So what's really yeah. tough is that the people who are actually going to be affected by a boycott are all the people who get laid off. Everyone else gets a golden parachute. They can jump out of their plane of bullshit <laughs> to some other company with like $30 million. Like these, the people who should be like dragged into the street get to go home. That's so poetic. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. And it's, it's that everyone gets laid off who... Yeah who actually put the work in and got to fight with investors and uh, you know the, the board of directors about just shitting out a game two years early, like Cyberpunk. Can you imagine crunching and then releasing Cyberpunk? I know. In that state? Like, what an absolute travesty. Yeah, we're eight months later and they just announced like, a, a, a new update. The game is better than ever. And I was like... By the way, new update? Cars honk after they hit you now. 
that's the new patch. And this is after 10 years of, of, yeah. of building the game. Yeah, this is 10 years of yeah. just being like, guys, but Cyberpunk. Now, well, okay. that's the crazy thing is that they- But they, a lot of us also, like people, like you purchased early, right? Yeah. I did because I'd been waiting for a very long time. Everyone like, waited for it. as long as everybody. I was only, I, I only heard about, I saw the original trailer like maybe three, four years before the game came out instead of the full like eight or whatever. But it was, we, they already knew that the audience was willing to wait. That and they yeah, were like they waited for like 10 years. Anticipating that game. Uh, uh, Speaking of waiting, we're here for another five minutes. Oh, oh there you go. Our first add to Famous the crunch. Oh, no, sorry, would you? Oh, never mind. It's balanced itself out. Okay. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> reduce the crunch. Game, okay. Games that came out without never crunch. Never mind. Nothing has changed. No, that's awesome. Famous for nothing, added five minutes, and then Born and Craze reduced five minutes. So, nice. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I love it. Games that came out without crunch. Um, Supergiant doesn't use crunch. They released Hades. Uh, arguably one of the best games so of the last, the last year. So good. Um, Obsidian does not use crunch. They release Pillars of Eternity, The Outer Worlds, and Grounded. Um, Digital Extremes, uh, just Warframe, doesn't use crunch, which is a great free-to-play game. Check out Warframe. Um, And Respawn. Respawn is the most significant one for me. So they they did Titanfall, and they do Apex Legends. Oh, okay. Apex Legends is like a team-based battle royale. Triple-A titles. It's... It is like, so Respawn uh, was like the old Call of Duty team. They left and created Respawn and then made Titanfall. Uh, are for me, one of the best, not one of my favorite games ever made, but one of the best games ever made. Um, but the fact that they're running a games as a service platform, it's free to play for Apex. Um, the mechanics are top notch. Uh, the fact that they're releasing a season-based games-as-a-service without crunch, I think, speaks to uh, looking at Epic for Fortnite, looking at uh, EA for Call of Duty, all of these other games-as-a-service as platform, you can do it without crunch. Apex is doing it. I think it's, it's on quality-wise, it's probably the best of the BRs. Um, they're putting out good content. They're putting it out consistently, although a little bit slower. Uh, it, it just shows that you can do it. Well, and like, CD Projekt Red could have done it. Yeah, they could have done it. Because the audience was clearly willing to wait for yeah. a very long and time. And that's the whole thing with Respawn, is they're like, we make good games. We're just, sometimes it's going to take an extra couple weeks. Yeah. And that's the way it is. And, and people are going to buy it. And Apex could have been a flash in the pan game, but they have completely... They, they've just leaned into the marathon. So this is a, this is a whole thing. Like, like, like uh, uh, something that you were just talking about. Like, like, okay, I'm asking you, like, did you still buy the games? And I pirate them. We, and, and I do too. But, like, if you look at your I mean, money and what you're spending your money on as your vote, then you're supporting them to keep doing, you're perpetuating the situation. But how do and, we tell oh, the industry that yes. we're supporting the artists like Trevor, yes. who is super excited to work on Battlestar Galactica or whatever it is next, you know, how do we do that? Well, and Don't some pre-order. people say it, what? Don't pre-order. Don't yeah, pre-order? pre-order? Well, that's interesting. Um, I think, I think it's, it's, gonna, it's, it's not just that we need to act as that they do. Because some people will be like, you have to unionize. Like, you have to have the people in the game industry unionize. Or, like, uh, uh, special effects post workers also aren't part of a union. You know, it's interesting because, like, it's come up multiple times over the years, and I've been at the forefront, like, you know, coming in. When I started VFX, it was like, there was no ILM here, there was no Pixar, there was no Sony. It was literally like Lost Boy Studios, uh, Image Engine, a lot of like great, but smaller boutique type studios. Yeah. And we were all like, we're cool. We don't need to be, uh, we don't need to be like a unionized at all, right? But then it started to become a thing because bigger studios, it's not only bigger studios, but people started to get abused. Yeah, and these abused artists started going, uh, going to uh, unions like like IOTSI and stuff, and saying, "Hey guys, we've been running crazy, and we're getting like treated unfairly." And there'd be these big town halls, and it was they they were very emotional, and I've been to a few of them over the years, and it was interesting because th- there'd be a few people at the forefront, old old school guys that had been like in the VFX industry for years, yeah, kind of pushing for it, and all the young guys coming in saying like, "We don't want it." You know, we don't need it. Um, we don't want control. We don't want people saying where our seniority is and stuff. And there was this, this We're not interesting. Tired yet. Yeah, it was this interesting kind of like. Yeah. Willing to take the abuse. Yeah, kind of. 
in a weird sort of way, it's like they were more interested in having this like non-unionized freedom as opposed to having like a, a, a protection from from big studios that are t frankly taking advantage of, of It's true, but the funny thing is, things, is like right? even uh, uh, unions aren't necessarily what they used to be. Like yeah. they, unions need to, the people who are in them and the unions themselves need to be strong. Like it, it, there, there's yeah. going to be a, a necessary sacrifice to get the change made that you want. Yeah. And there's certain things like when I found out that uh, like I'm an 891 member of IATSE mm -hmm. and when I found out that they gave away the right to strike, I was like, well, then why be a union? What the hell? Yeah. Surprised? What's left? Surprise yeah, is that's, fucking that's weird, right? Collective action is, is literally the, the only it thing is, that works. It's the only weapon that a union really yeah. has. And they gave it up. And I was like, that's not a union. What the hell's the point? No, it's not. <laughs> I mean, it's a collective it's, bargaining. I've never heard that. But it's a collective benefits. bargaining without yeah. being and, able to strike. And, like you know, benefits, standard salaries. There's, there's certain things they, they fight for a lot of things, and it, but at some point, someone who was in charge yeah. and was at that table said, "We'll give that up." That's, that's, that's like your huge thing. bargaining like, chip. When I was a kid, my I was a teenager, and my stepdad was a member of a union, and the projectors' union at theaters went on strike. Yeah. And he was, I was like, oh, let's go see this movie. And he was like, well, you can go. I can't. And I was like, what? And I didn't quite get it. And it's because he was a union member, not a projector's union member, but any union striked and he refused to cross a picket line. And there has to be solidarity amongst workers. Mm. Like if that doesn't, ex and I mean, as a communist, if you're a self-proclaimed communist, then you get that. But if that doesn't exist, then unions don't work. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're well, just businesses. And at that point, yeah, it's just a business. And they're using the people as their commodity. At that point, you may as well just be HA. Like, <laughs> so what? Wow. Like, you're just gonna like, what are you threatening? Like, if, if you can't walk out. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's weird. So nice studio, what, it'd be a shame if something happened to it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean like, that, that's, the, that's, that's well, what the, you're left with. The funny with. thing is, is that's what happens in, okay, so we have cable trucks in BC, like, like working in the lighting and, and, and power uh, uh, in film. We have big trucks that you put all the like seaway on, like huge spools of really heavy cable. They don't have those in LA. Yeah. And I've heard stories of a cable truck being brought down to LA for a production and it got set on fucking fire. Like the workers down there because it's oh, yeah. job protection. These yeah. guys walk around with carts full of seaway and they're like, that truck will take our jobs away. Yeah. And they burn that son of a bitch down. Yeah. And they're, like, I was working on a show with a, a, a guy from L.A., and he was like, what is this thing? Because he'd never seen a cable truck. He's taking <laughs> pictures. He's like, this is wild. It's so efficient. Um, <laughs> Listen, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> you mentioned that. Yeah, I was just going to ask if um, anybody, oh, we've had another Reduce the Crunch redemption as well. Oh, damn. Uh, but I was going to ask if anybody uh, had um, any connection to anybody that worked on the Seth Rogen animated picture Sausage Party. Because I don't know if you remember when that one came out, but there was a lot of horror stories oh, around really? that production. Yeah. I, oh, no. But he likes weed, man, so it's cool. on it. I didn't work on it myself, but yeah, oh, okay. it, was, uh, it was pretty rough. Yeah. 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 There was, like, allegations of a lot of unpaid overtime yeah. and, like, oh. really serious heavy-duty crunch. And, and just, this like, is... They had, like, animators that were, like, full-time professional, like, you know, feature film fucking animators that were making like $15 an hour. Yeah. Like, See, there was a lot of promises made during that production and during the time when they needed people to be in their seats doing their work. Yeah. And in the end, from my understanding, is it through hearsay, through people I've talked to, so I can't say firsthand. Uh, but they didn't, in the end, it's kind of like, okay, well, well, we'll get it back in the back end, and they didn't. Yeah, yeah that and never that caused a big uproar, and that was another another one of those like there's, there's always these certain projects along the line that will initiate a push for unionization, mm. and um, yeah, push people so far. And that was one. Yes, that, honestly, that was one. That was a big efforts one. to unionize animators in Vancouver. I don't know where yeah. they stand right now, but I know well, after that production, that was I think one of the things that really kicked off the efforts yeah. to unionize animators in Vancouver. There's these moments along the line where it spikes and yeah. like everyone's like in an uproar, and then there's town halls and people are talking about it, and then things seem to simmer down. And for some reason, seem people seem to fall back in line, <clears throat> and it continues the way it's always been going. And then something else happens. It actually happened with uh, Battlestar, not not our, not not the BSG that I worked on, but then the 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 season after or the the show after that. Oh, okay. When they finalized BSG Is it just that I worked on. Caprica. Caprica. Yeah. yeah. There was a 
um, there was a bunch of new people, juniors, that got on and, and they were ground into the dirt. It was an in-house studio. It wasn't like a, a studio studio. It was like production studio. And um, same thing. When that happened, they went to IOTC and like, we want to unionize. And these were like uh, mostly people that had been in the industry for maybe five years or less. And there was a whole bunch of uproar there. So it's like every once in a while wow. you get these projects where there a group of people are taken advantage of, and then there's like a big ripple, and then there's like a whole bunch of like rubble, 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 and then things seem to simmer down, and, yeah. and then it comes back in. And at the end of the day, it's like it's an. But is that the big like the same thing that happens in gaming, where the AAA, it, you know, games and the companies that make those games know know how to weather the storm yeah. just long enough to get back to putting people back into yeah. the the rat race mill, you know? Like, okay, so go back to there's, animating there's, this there's one thing and just like supply. pump it out, yeah. That's been my MO, like when these things happen, I'm usually just like, I'm usually working on a project and I'd be like, I'm, I'm personally fine. I've been asked like by some of the people, that are, the rabble rousers, like, you should get in there. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, I, I appreciate what you're trying to do. Uh, but at the same time, I'm not really discontent with what I'm doing. So ah. it's like there's not really enough motivation for me. So it's that's like, something that's a little weird when it comes to being a creative person. Because if yeah. you're doing what you love, you also find it fulfilling. Yeah. And like if you're if you're getting subjected to insane hours and insane work week schedules, but it's a job that you're doing for the money only, mm -hmm. and you don't really want to be there, mm -hmm. then it's like, oh man, fuck this. But if you are getting any kind of creative fulfillment from it, then it's it's really double edged. And that's kind of and, how often, and how often it happens. Yeah. You're exploiting yeah. enthusiasm. Yeah. You saw yes. the same thing in music. I wasn't even allowed to have uh, an out of office when I was a talent buyer. It was like, if you have an out-of-office, it makes you look like you're lazy. What does that mean, uh, out-of-office? Uh, like an auto-reply on emails. Like, hi, I'm out of the office for oh, five I, days. Oh, out of the oh. office. I see. It I see. was like, oh, if somebody emails you and they get that, they're going to think you're lazy. It was like, uh, I got you. So this seems really toxic. <laughs> yeah, that's super yeah. toxic. Uh, there's, there's something, uh, we've only got five, uh, ten minutes left because of Crash's redemption. Thanks. We're only doing a 55-minute show. Uh, okay, so this <laughs> is something. farming that, point. Uh, I you, have Minecraft to play. I'm you in. mentioned uh, 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 the fact that, so are you, have you voted communist? That's amazing. Really I've, I've never, I've always thought Future episode, vicious. future episode. Well, no, 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 but we have an election in Canada that was just announced. It's a super opportunistic election by the liberals on a federal level uh, because they're pulling ahead. So they're like, let's have an election, even though there's not supposed to be one for two more years. Um, but something that's on the, the, uh, the platform for the NDP is a universal basic income. And I think that uh, if there's any message that anyone takes away from this episode, if you're listening, is look into universal basic income. Because if you were maybe doing a job that you couldn't keep doing during the pandemic and you were collecting in Canada what was called the CERB, which was government support, you had a safety net for the first time that you needed when shit hit the fan and suddenly you were okay. You didn't have to worry about making ends meet because you had a guaranteed income that you weren't necessarily having to work for. And a guaranteed basic income, that your universal basic income, if that gets through, then it takes away one of the biggest elements that enforces crunch, which is fear. People yeah. just are scared of losing their job, scared of not being rehired if they won't do what the company is asking them to do. And if that's eliminated, then people get to actually pursue their dreams a lot more. There's a reason we saw more civil discontent uh, especially in the U.S., but also in Canada, because all of a sudden, uh, especially in the U.S., because your health insurance is tied to your employment, which is great. What a great idea that was. Uh, so, turns out, when you don't need to worry about all of a sudden not having health insurance, uh, because your employer can hold that over your head, and COVID forced a lot of people to be off, uh, we, we saw some, like, real issues start being addressed. Yeah. Like, weird. Weird yeah. when, when you take away the fear of, like, oh, if you get sick, you're dead or broke. Yeah. Or you have a baby. Yeah. If you have, yeah, you have a baby. Like, well, oh, baby I hope you have a baby yeah. and 15 grand. <laughs> or more, 50 maybe. Yeah. Your God. Can you imagine that? <laughs> My God. Yeah. There's, uh, so something that's been really interesting in the pandemic is that people have 
learned that like where they were told in many instances, you can't work remote. Yep. You, you have to be here to do this job. People with, with disabilities who are like, who are, who are written off for jobs because they couldn't have been done remotely. Turns out, Pretty much everything can be done remotely. And yeah, that is a, stuff. that is a big, like, I, I've been keeping check with a lot of my colleagues that work in visual effects, and they're, like, the, la the last place I worked before here was Method, and it was, like, at the, at the high watermark, about 700 people in that building. Wow. And they're down to wow. about 10. Whoa. 20. <laughs> and that's it. Everyone else is working from home. And you know what? Everything's getting done. Huh. And people are getting to see their kids more, People are able to like manage their families and their lives, and everything's getting done. And what an interesting, amazing, you know, I, byproduct of as as horrible as COVID is, it's it, over the years like we've all wanted to work from home. So why can't we do this from home? And the problem is they, they'd say, oh, Warner Brothers or Universal doesn't want us to because of audits. Because they like, need to time your bathroom breaks to feel alive. Well, that and then they're worried about. <laughs> They're, they're worried about that uh, their, their intellectual property yeah. is going to get also leaked, right. Yeah. Also, that's not coming the case. From, coming yeah. from post production, uh, the idea of setting people up remote, there is a data pipeline issue. Yeah. There is um, security of the data. Security is a big one. That's the one forth. they held over. So, suddenly, you're having to send visual effects shots back and forth yeah. between an artist who's remote and the studio, and then the studio has to send stuff to the, it's yeah. a whole thing. If you have a market shot on your computer But if it's a system. Take a picture and yes. send it off. So and it's getting easier, but it is, there is a startup cost associated with that, and because yeah. of the way shows are budgeted, but I mean, one if you've show got, has If you've got a building that's a, got 700 employees in it, yeah. and suddenly you can have those 700 employees still employed, yeah. but you don't have to pay for a facility that houses and, them. And they, buy, they make their own coffee. They make their own lunch. Yeah? Yeah, and here's the thing. I'm just pointing out there are no. some concerns on the startup side. Yeah. The way the industry yeah. is set up is probably But you know what? They bowled through the whole thing and they've they've managed to make it work. And here's the thing, COVID, like you know, a lot of people could go back to work now. Method Studios is still empty. Even though COVID, people are vaccinated, things are getting kind we're cutting it past the, the hump a little bit. I know we're in a fourth wave and everything, but yeah. they're not coming back to work. Uh, double negative. Um, Didi, like all these visual effects students in town, all my friends working there, they're still working from home. Yeah. And they don't necessarily have to be, but you know what? The studios like it too. The, oh. studio, the studio heads are like, you know what? Let's just keep doing this. Everyone's yeah. happy. And everyone's happy. Work's getting done. Embrace and you know, the all technology. these like security issues, like they're worried about like somebody's kid comes in and shoots a video of like one of the shots they're working on. Yeah. Well, people, the artists are respecting that and knowing that if that gets blown up, they don't want to be responsible for that, and they don't want to blow it up for everybody else. Well, it turns also, out if you treat people like adults, but leaks, stuff so works out. Figure, look, okay, right? look, look, so like, weird. That, that fucking leaks, <laughs> like Deadpool. Concept. The footage that got leaked that ended up in an actual Deadpool movie, yeah. like leaks aren't that bad. Okay. Like yeah. it's not giving away the whole the, freaking thing. Those poor IT people, where they were just like, "Look, we just need to send this many <laughs> bytes of data across a million artists." They're, it, that's, just, it that's took a possible. lot to set up, and now that it's done, it's great. Um, but I can only imagine that the, the setup of making all of that happen was extensive. And for sure. COVID, COVID was extreme conditions for extreme yes. measures. That was the and catalyst. You're right, we have a beautiful to, 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 outcome from yeah. that. That was the, the catalyst that started. And it, it, the thing is, like, the reality is, like, 5G. I mean, we all have fiber optic to our homes yeah. now, especially living in Vancouver. Bandwidth issues are not a thing. And the thing is, like, really, at home, you have a Teradici, which is like a a remote workstation little gizmo that you, you're not even using, like you're, you're plugging into a computer yeah. at the studio anyway. That's what I was going to say. It's like you're virtualization. You don't even need don't that need fast of a connection anymore. You don't yeah. need a fancy computer with like huge yeah. compute or render capabilities. You're like thin clienting into your workstation in some server farm or some office somewhere. You don't have to, all you have to do is transfer the monitor data from yeah. the computer yeah, exactly. so you can see what you're doing and there's no lag. You need like a good color calibrated like monitor. In in interviews it. now, they're like, first question is, can I work from home? And ah. if they say no, they get up and they walk out. Oh, they're damn. Like, or they close the Zoom meeting. created a new standard, and it's yeah. interesting. <laughs> or you just close the Zoom meeting window. In, they're all they get up, and then they close it. <laughs> yeah. And then they just run back into frame, but they're like, I made my point. End <laughs> meeting. It's one of the most interesting byproducts of COVID that I've seen yet is the, the change in industry that I've been in for two decades. Well, and it's not, it's not even just this industry. Like, it's, it's, and it's, it's a ton absolutely. of stuff. Tons of people 100%. don't want to go back to yeah. work. Why would you? 
what a great yeah, I, yeah. world it could be if we can work from home and still do what we need to do and everything, as long as things get delivered I on time. I need you in office, Trevor. You can't work from home. <laughs> Damn it, you saw through my notes. There yeah. are, I mean, we spent the last hour working on Roz. Here's the thing, actually, you touched on something. I, I hate it because I actually love working here and it's like, damn it. <laughs> I like coming into work here. If I did, if it was any other studio, I'd be like, ah, I'm good working from home. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and AFL some people work better having somewhere to go. Oh, nice. I, I do love it. So it's like, it's great, but it's also like, son of a bitch. <laughs> but there, even <laughs> Vancouver Film, we're yeah. seeing people who are, because a lot of times it's like, we'll work infinite hours, but you're going to pay out the nose for it. Yeah. But we're now seeing this in Vancouver Film where it's like, no. Yeah, uh, that's that's been a, such an interesting thing because like I worked most of my lighting career was on set, and, uh, uh, and usually our crunch was just super long days. Like there's one show in particular day. where we averaged 16-hour days. We were working over the course of a month and a half. We were doing like a lot of 19s and shit like that. And then like you're, it's dangerous. You're driving home. You're also lifting heavy stuff. You're operating machinery. Yeah. Super dangerous. The most dangerous one I ever did was actually rigging for Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, name and names. Uh, <laughs> name and names. Uh, but like Listen, rigging Johnny. for that, we, I did. We Hi, were, Disney. We were doing 13 hour days and I did 23 of them in a row. And I wasn't just sitting at a computer. I was yeah. uh, operating a 125 foot lift indoors over other people that were working in various departments. That's hella safe. As long as you're getting yeah. overtime, everything's cool. Oh man, <laughs> just insane. <laughs> Um, and you, you raise a good point. It's like, you know, I, I talk from a point where, like, post can be done from home, but, you know, obviously production, you have to mm -hmm. be there. Yeah. And since COVID, there's been a, a, a big vacuum created from the lack of new content. And yep. it's going to be a lot of pressure on production and post-production to fill that vacuum. And you're going to see a lot of that coming up. And there's going to be a lot more of this, like, long hours because studios are going to then again start now that oh they want to crank stuff out they want to crank stuff and i'm already hearing murmurs Which of it so freaking weird sides. because you don't you don't need nobody to. cares like, i know netflix let it let it take the time that yeah. the workers need like i can watch friends for another another round sure that's all everyone does anyway everyone's like, just okay. watching the office stop adding new shit <laughs> This is two-sided because we, so true. at the same time, yeah. like, they, like, they relax. we're not saving lives. Like, we're not exactly curing cancer. No. We're not, like, like, like it's all entertainment. We're like, causing cancer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, People but, are working too long. But it's true. Like, either video games or movies or TV shows, whatever, none of it, it's all just entertainment. But we also realized how important entertainment is when you can't leave your freaking house. Yeah. Oh, like, it's my a, a mental health issue, 100%. I mean, people need to escape. And, uh, yeah. you know, I personally take pride in helping to, you know, I, I'd like to think that anything I do would maybe help people with that. Yeah. But you go to restaurants and you choose where you eat, where you buy your stuff based on, like, humane, humane treatment. Yeah. And I feel like I really hope that comes out of COVID where it's like, I'm going to watch shows that I know treat their people well treat people yeah well. i mean i think uh uh okay ryan what's up uh, i was just gonna ask jason might know this and this is an interesting thought but is there any like website or app or something that like if you are just you know johnny tv show viewer where you can tell like if the people who make that thing did it like in a humane oh. way where you don't have to like go deep down some Google rabbit hole trying to like read production diaries or articles in Variety or something like. That's a really interesting question because yeah. everybody has a different concern about what you're looking for. So in this case, we're talking about did your show do crunch? Yeah, um, I think you're not going to hear know, that information a lot. It, it, you're, it's going to get more available. Yes. Right? Than sure. it was before. But I know, like, Natasha would be really curious about is your show green? How green is your show? Oh, yeah. So all of the, like, you know, stats that you could associate with your production and, the, and your shows run all the way from development to hmm. delivery and marketing and all of those metrics that we could use to measure things, but if those were available to people and it impacted the way they yeah. chose what they watched, that would be a really interesting set of data. So no, but let's people. talk. Yeah. <laughs> I know you asked yeah. me a little bit about it's an interesting like- interesting idea, right? It's a yeah. really interesting idea. Yeah, I think- there, Let's talk. I think yeah. there's a lot of people about who this idea. talk is the thing. I think there's a lot of people on set who won't say what the conditions were Look, like. Look, no one wants to know how don't. the Saturday Night Live sausage gets made. <laughs> yeah. No one wants to know. 
because uh, no. it gets made. Or a South Park. It's six. It's six days. Six days to air. Yeah, there's well, were you, they also have no uh, notes. Hey. No. Like Comedy Central, they're not allowed to give notes. Yeah. They just yeah. deliver the show and go. Here you go, fuckers. Just air it. What were you going to say? Awesome deal, actually. I was going to talk about you. You were asking me earlier in the day when we knew this would be the topic today a bit about coming from science. Oh, yeah. You know, because we talk a little bit about, like, we've got careers making um, entertainment content, which we all agree has, you know, the value of it, we've understood a lot more through COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about other careers? And so we're all connected to people who have other jobs, other career paths. Yep. Um, I came from a world of science, and you were like, well, did you ever have a late night in film? And did you ever have a late night in science? Yes, I have been somewhere at 2 a.m. eating Fruit Loops to deliver my show, for sure. Uh, rarely it happened to me at my previous job in post, but post-production, you're right at the end of the line. you got to make that delivery. Yep. You do whatever it takes to make that deadline. I've done that. It was rare for me, so I'm lucky. But yeah, 2 a.m. Fruit Loop party with the colorist, 100%. Did I ever have to do 2 a.m. Fruit Loops at the lab? Yes, also that. But it was usually because my stuff was ready at 2 a.m., so yeah. that's where I was going to be at 2 a.m. Yeah, if you have like something that needs... 36 hours and you started at a certain time, you got to be there at that 36th hour. And, you know, it grows how much it wants to grow. <laughs> as many times as you think it's going to be ready at 4 p.m., sometimes that's not what happens. Okay. Uh, but, yeah. I've so. already extended. I gave us an extra five minutes, but oh, that five not, minutes is up. <laughs> so we have reached an hour. We evened out in an hour. Um, and because of those, I think we got to stick to it. So... Thank you guys for being here. Uh, Everybody watching at home, stay tuned for the raid. We are going to raid April Anonymous because we were talking about Mass Effect and she's playing Mass Effect Legendary right now. Uh, I want to say thank you to you guys. Thank you to Ryan. Thank you to all the crew. Thank you everyone at AFL. And thank you, the viewer, for watching. Until next time, stay filthy.